This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here in the studio with you, and I am joined by Pastor Craig, the Canadian Stallion. Bonjour. Comment ça va? Ah, oui, oui. Porque esta noche cuando duermas no vas a morir. Anyways, we are... Uh, that was that was called Spanish. Oh, You Spanish. wouldn't understand it way up north. Right. That's correct. Um, so we are uh, in the studio today, and Craig, we've got a really difficult question. Yes, we do. Uh, my wife was actually supposed to answer this question the last two times she was in the studio, and she punted yes. uh, both times, saying, I need more time to think about it. So we're, we we got to get through it. I really have been itching to to answer this. So here's what I'll do. I'm going to read... I'm going to read the text, and then um, you can let me know what you think. How does that sound? Oh, wow. Um, You know, you and I have talked about this, and we're definitely – we're not far, but we're not on the same page, which should be fun. This will be a great conversation. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll start in verse 12. we got to get a little bit of context here, and this will be one of those those passages that – incites a lot of people. So I'm excited. All right. 1 Timothy 2, 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority – over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. So what bigoted apostle is this speaking? This would be the apostle Paul oh, to... I take it back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was good. Uh, so uh, again, if you're if you're newer to some of these verses, there's this voice in your head. Mm-hmm. It's the cultural voice yep. that wants to put conservative Christianity on trial and make us sound like misogynistic bigots all the time. Mm-hmm. The hard part is that um, these verses are, are, first of all, they're not as, I would say, terrible as you might feel at first blush reading the translation into English. And uh, so let's just take a moment because honestly, to get to the answer of the question of the day, we got to get through some of these verses. So uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Are women allowed to speak in church? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm, Uh, Are women allowed to teach? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Women are called to teach other women, to teach children, et cetera. Now, if you're newer- In scripture, there's, there's, oh, so many amazing women- uh, Deborah was an amazing leader. Um, Barak mm-hmm. was supposed to be helping her in, yep. in her uh, extravaganzas in, yep. in uh, fighting the bad guys yep. a, as a judge. But he wouldn't even step up to the plate unless she led the way. Yep. She's an outstanding lady. Yep. And, the, and, the, and then she wrote uh, – there's a whole passage of scripture she wrote with her own hand in scripture. Um, so – so there are illustrations. Deborah's not only one, Lydia in the New Testament, yep. amazing woman leader in the church, yep. deaconess. Yep. If you want to give her that that title, very big servant in the church. Mm-hmm. Paul had great things to say about her. And the end of Romans one is full of uh, Paul writing to all these women in the church, yep. thanking them for all of the help that they've been to his ministry. I would not give her the title deaconess in terms of the office, but no. servant, yes. yes. So. Which is what Deacon is Baptist. Means. Yes. Anyway, so um, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's remain quiet. And so some women, they're like, oh, I can't believe that women are not allowed to have authority over a man. And here's what this means. In the office of pastor elder, um, that this is an office that is reserved for men by God. God did this. We didn't pick this. We're not just a bunch of jerks who are like, boo, women, right? And this is something that God rooted even before creation. He has imbued with men a certain and unique responsibility to lead, provide, and protect. And in the church, when he establishes the church, um, this is part of the way that he has organized it. Um, And it is not because women are naive. It's not because women can't lead. It's not because they're not awesome. They are amazing in every level. But this is one of the ways that God has uniquely put into the rhythm of church life and family 
roles. Which, roles, that's a key word. Which, which is not popular in our culture because right now the entire concept is rather than black or white, male or female, binary. The obliteration of binary distinctions culturally is a huge issue right now. But honestly, until the last 40, 50, 60 years, there's been very few of any cultures that have had issues with this statement, mm-hmm. this concept. I mean, this is not con- this has not been controversial for millennia, mm-hmm. right? It's controversial now because some of the ongoing social, cultural, theological mm-hmm. issues on women and gender and masculinity and all that stuff. So we keep going. And here, here's what he does. He roots a distinction in roles in creation, not after the fall, but before the fall. And that's really important. He says, for Adam was formed first, then who? Eve. Then Eve. Mm-hmm. So even in the way that God created them, there was an order of creation which communicated primacy of responsibility in leadership. Adam was created from dust. Yep. Eve was created from Adam. Yep. And that and God did that on purpose mm-hmm. to yep. communicate things. And that's what Paul's drawing out, the intentionality of God in the creation order. Because God could have created them both simultaneously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in the method of creation, he's communicating more eternal transcendent principles. And the need for one another and marriage is in there and they're solid. All that good All stuff. And then he says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So we have pre-fall, now post-fall. Is Eve uniquely or women uniquely more naive than men? No, absolutely not. Thank you for saying that, by the way. Yes, yeah. you're welcome. I, I appreciated the cue card you held up. There. Oh, yes. I, I have a big not. one that said, no, <laughs> no. I pull it up every once in a while. <laughs> the point of the passage is not to say who's at fault. The point of the passage is to say, as a result of the part each played in their uh, transgression in the garden, each one was given an individual curse. Mm-hmm. And this is where you and I are going to start to disagree on on where this passage is going. But in context, as I read uh, the context here, the result of Eve's sin was that she was going to bear children now in pain. Mm-hmm. Not as a result, she's not going to have children as a result of, as a result of the fall. <laughs> she was meant always to have children. God gave them this commandment to have yep. children, but she was intended to have children easily, mm. peacefully. Mm. But as a result of the fall, now God said, now you're going to bear children in a painful way. Curse you, Eve. Get it? Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Every woman. <laughs> every woman. No, the, not every woman, just Eve. The, well, I know they're all. Okay, no, the man. I lost in my analytics. <laughs> Keep going. The man, he, uh, the, the result of his sin was that he would now do the same work that he was put in the garden to do at the beginning, but now it would become extremely difficult for him. The ground would play against him. Not saying that we all need to be farmers, that mm-hmm. we all need to be, you know, tilling the soil or, or anything. It just means that when we do the work that we that gives us meaning as men, mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult. It's going to create stress. It's going to be it's going to create sweat on our mm-hmm. on our on our brow. It's yep. just going to be a difficult thing. Those are those are the result of the fall. Individual yep. curse for Eve. Individual for Adam. I liked what you had said a while back, not in this recording, but another time. When uh, it says Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. And what's interesting is that what you drew out is no one chooses to be deceived. Mm-hmm. Adam knew the fact that he wasn't deceived. Mm-hmm. He walked into sin knowing. Eyes wide open. Eyes wide open, which actually in terms of culpability. It puts was, him in a worse place. It does, which is what the New Testament actually picks up as a theme because of Adam's sin we've all fallen. That's it's exactly a very unique. Right. Yep. So if you're just reading this, I think we're so we can be so culturally removed from the text that when we get to these really controversial texts, which really, when you, whenever you're dealing with gender and roles, it gets really, really itchy. Okay, mm. and so here is the text of the day that we need to answer if we can. It says this: Yet 
she, referring to Eve, mm -hmm. will be saved through childbearing. Mm -hmm. Then it goes on and says, if they, it went from Eve now to plural they women, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So here's what we agree on. Number one, I know that you and I agree that the word saved does not always mean in the Bible saved from sin. No. There's something we call a semantic range. It's the range of use of a word. And so the word right is a good example of this. I can say right, like correct. I could say go right, meaning not left. I can mean- Write a paper. Write a paper. I mean, this word has such a broad range. Now, you do know that writing a paper and turn right are different spellings. So they're are functionally they? completely different words. Yeah. I know in Canada, sometimes they like- they skew this stuff, so it's not always the same. But you just need to learn how to write, write and print, print. Okay, how uh, how a word is supposed to be written or printed. So when it says that a woman shall be use saved, more use. When it says that a woman <laughs> shall be saved through childbearing, we both a hundred percent agree that this has no relevancy towards salvation from sin or from God on the day of judgment. We would say this is not soteric. This is not so yes yeah, soteriological. It's, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. soteric. That's good. I actually I've never heard anybody use the word soteric. That concisely. That well, I could be wrong then, yes. but, so, I, yeah. but I'm not wrong in that. You're it's, not wrong. It's, it's not soteric correct. in You're nature. Correct. It's not soteric It doesn't in nature. save you and give you a right standing before God. Yes. Soteric is a word that we use to refer to, in theology term, theology speak, it refers to salvation. Right. Okay. Soteriology is the study of salvation. So it, it's not soteric. It's not about salvation from sin. Okay. And so the word saved means to be rescued from something, to be saved from something. Mm -hmm. And so the woman here, Eve, and then collectively represents all women, she's going to be rescued from something and says she'll be rescued or saved through childbearing if they, all women, continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now, we also agree on this. Let's talk about what we agree, and then we'll just get to the point of where we kind of diverge. Mm -hmm. We agree that faith and love and holiness and self-control and women pursuing marriage and motherhood are a big so what in this text, mm -hmm. right? This is where Paul wants to push these particular women. It in connects that the rest of the passage of scripture. Absolutely. So we agree, like these are great attributes. And mm -hmm. another thing I want to draw out that I think we could agree on is that there are unique, we'll say, attributes that God would give to men. Be strong, be courageous, um, don't be afraid, all these kind of things that have to do with leadership and whatnot. And run with the bulls. Run with the bulls, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't even know for sure. Um, but <laughs> Spain. Spain. Okay, good. Um, no idea. Like, oh yeah, Tripoli. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so like uh, in this context, there, there are a group of women who are obviously having an issue. Their issue, we don't know exactly why, but we know that there's a group of women in this context who are creating enough ruckus where Paul writes a letter to Timothy, this young pastor of the Ephesian church, and says, these women need to be quiet. They're creating a ruckus. Your, your God-ordained given role is not to teach uh, and lead through doctrine and being elders of the church. And so you all got to just chill out for a little bit. Now, if Paul was writing to a different church, because he doesn't write this kind of stuff to all the churches. That's correct. So this is a unique encouragement for the Ephesian church under Timothy's leadership at this time. Although he does speak, as do some other, Peter mm -hmm. does as well, talk about the role of the wife and the husband. Oh, yeah, 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 They for specifically sure. identify the roles. Yes. But here he definitely is being a little bit more direct. More direct. And so these women in this church needed to hear this. Mm -hmm. Marriage, motherhood, faith, love, holiness, and self-control. Mm -hmm. You guys need to pursue this path. Because if you don't pursue this path, this path will be a means of rescuing you from something. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Now, where do we diverge on this? I'll read it again and then you can give your two cents and I'll get mine. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and self-control. So the result of the fall, as I was mentioning before, for the man was he was to be working as he was created to do right from the very beginning, although now it was going to be more difficult. 
the woman is meant to give birth, and now it's going to be more difficult as a result of the fall. When we live out our lives, a part of living our lives as men and women is accepting the results of the fall and admitting our part in that. That's why when we come to the communion table each Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to realize it is my sin that played a part in nailing the Savior to the cross. So when we accept God's judgment on us and we don't rebel against that or we don't have a feeling of animosity toward God because he's been unjust or unfair or, hey, it was Adam and Eve, it wasn't me, why am I being judged? We accept the results of the fall and that gives us the ability to receive the gospel in our lives, live out the gospel in our lives, because we don't live out our continued rebellion in our fallen nature. Instead, we accept the results of the fall, we accept our part that we played in that, and and we're able to accept what Jesus has done to save us from that so that we can still live out a purposeful kind of life that God intended to give us. So when it says she will be saved through childbearing, I think that's a reference to the fall. I think it's a, in the context, direct reference to Eve. Eve was was made right with God when she accepted the results of the fall and was still able to allow the Holy Spirit to live Christ out or to live the gospel out through her. Same attitude applies in us. That's why the pronoun changes to they. If they, women, continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control, they don't always try to usurp the authority from the church or from the man or try to be somebody that they're not. They're able to live out who God intended for them to be because they accept the judgment that the fall brings to their lives. I see where you're going. Mm -hmm. I agree with your foundation, which is that salvation is not here about sin or from God. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's different. I agree with your conclusions that those are good things. Um, They're biblical notions. I'm having a hard time rooting what you're saying directly in this text. Mm -hmm. So I would say it like this. The world has a plan for every man and for every woman. Right now, the world's plan for women is don't get married, postpone childbirth, children are inconvenienced, get an abortion if you need to, you're autonomous, you're self-determining, you don't need a husband or a family to tell you what to do, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree, you don't need a husband or a family to tell you what to do, et cetera, but like, there is this anti-marriage, anti-childbearing sentiment. If you get married and he doesn't like really meet your expectations or needs, then you can leave him. There's this whole plan that world and culture and Satan has for your life. Not only that, but then there's our own propensity towards sin because of the fall. And so what Paul says is, Eve and women, that you will be saved or rescued from all of this innate, powerful selfishness. That not just women, but by the way, men have too, but he's talking to women right now. Mm -hmm. That there's this propensity in you towards selfishness and self-determination because part of the fall too is that she's going to take all of this energy and devour or consume her husband. And then it says he is going to rule over her, which is also not a good thing. So this idea that sin is inside a woman and one of the greatest, uh, we'll just say, remedies that God has for rescuing women from their propensity, and we'll talk about men's propensity in a moment just to give some you know level playing field here, mm. is marriage and motherhood, which obliterates selfishness. I mean, just kills it in unbelievable ways, mm-hmm. which is why for, for me, right, I'm always advocating um, our women to not postpone marriage. Uh, marry the right guy, but get married and don't postpone having children because this is God's rhythm and way for families. The very 
we'll say, thing that inaugurates a marriage covenant and consummation uh, until the last 50 years always culminated in childbearing. That was a lot of C's. You like that? Because of birth control, we're able to postpone the childbearing part of it. And there are negative effects to that long term. Okay. And the negative effects of postponing childbearing is that we're not experiencing the God-ordained method for selfishness to be killed inside of us. And so what the women here need to be saved from is their propensity for control and domination. And also God wants to grow in them as a servant-hearted, selfless spirit. Mm -hmm. And that marriage and motherhood are the remedies of that salvation that God has infused into the rhythm of human life. So you're saying that this is a reference to the role they play as mothers. I'm saying that motherhood, the act of having kids, the whole experience of that is a God-infused method to kill sin in us. Mm. Uh, it does a whole bunch of other things. It's good for us on a, a number of other levels, but it's fundamentally that to postpone these two things typically has a negative effect on people. Now, on top of that, uniquely, he says to these women, look, as women, faith and love and holiness and self-control, if you just get married and have kids, but you don't grow in these things, it says if, that's contingent, mm -hmm. right? You'll be rescued through these things, but contingent on growing in faith and love and holiness and self-control that uniquely for the women in this context and the Ephesian women under Timothy's leadership, that these were unique qualities that if the purpose of marriage and motherhood was going to continue its fulfillment, these attributes needed to be continually applied. And we'll apply this to the men just to give some equal weight, right? Paul says to Timothy, if a man does not work, he does not eat. And the propensity for men uh, because of sin is to be selfish and to be lazy. And we see this culturally that Satan has a plan for men's lives. Go to college. Maybe if you want, live with your parents, play video games, do whatever you want. Don't get a job. Get a cheap job. Um, live off your parents' money. Um, do whatever you want. Um, don't lead, provide, or protect to someone of great value. Live out your own desires. Travel the world. Use women, et cetera. All of these plans that Satan and culture has for a man, God says, marriage and leadership are two of the things fundamentally that I have ordained that are going to free you from the selfish, self-determining autonomy. And so like when I got married, my need and desire to work increased and it saved me because bored men are dumb men. It saved me from my own sin and my own stupidity and the plan for the world. And when I had kids, it doubly did that because now I'm, I'm responsible to lead, provide and protect not just a wife of great value, but three children now of great value. And this God ordained thing, marriage and fatherhood mm. has saved me from mm -hmm. all of the effects of sin, not all the effects, but the major effects of sin and the lies of the culture and the world and the plan that they have. So you are translating this more in a functional context. If I play out the function that God intended for me to play out, I will experience the grace of God in my life in ways that I, I should mm -hmm. once I become redeemed. Yeah. Right. And even if I'm not redeemed, I can still experience a fulfillment of life because that's the role God intended for me to play. So it's functional. Yeah. I would translate it like this. Ladies, you're going to be rescued from sin in a unique way as you pursue marriage and motherhood. It, it will sanctify you. Right. But that won't do you any good if you don't continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control. Where we diverge in yeah. this is that I would see this more through a gospel lens, I think. I think I see it that way more because I don't connect it to culture quite as much as you do because, mm -hmm. quite frankly, it's not until modern-day culture that men didn't want to work. For the most part, men did work. They mm -hmm. do work all throughout history. And so instead of seeing this more in a functional role, what I see it is more of a connection to the result of the fall mm -hmm. and more through a gospel lens where if we give up our rebellion against God, our accusations that he's unfair in giving us pain through childbirth mm -hmm. or 
the difficulty of working the land and and the sweat that it causes on our brow because mm-hmm. because of the results of the fall when we accept God's right to judge us and we submit to that and allow him to judge us even though I'm not Adam and you're not Eve yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we still bear the the curse of the fall we accept that we say that's right God you're you're right to do that you're right to give me my role to play after that mm-hmm. and if I play out my role and I'm able to live out the gospel because when God redeems me, he renews that ability in my in me to play out my role in a loving, gracious, well, look at this, faithful, loving, holy, and self-controlled way. Mm-hmm. So that's I think where we diverge yep. a little. So two big, two big highlights, three big ones. I disagree. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but number two, uh, we agree on the on the foundation of the conclusion, but not necessarily what this text right. is pointing to. You know, so you mentioned a, a really interesting thing as we were talking through mm-hmm. this a, a little while ago. How that's um, an attractive thing mm-hmm. for two pastors to be able to look at the same context, same mm-hmm. same passage, yep. same context, maybe interpret it a little differently, mm-hmm. but still give give flavor to the text and stay true to the to the meaning of the text. Yep but give a little bit of different character, personal character through it based on our interpretation. And that's where, you know, as you preach at Village Church East and I preach at Village Church of Bartlett, Mm -hmm. you know, we're preaching on the same text and we're preparing these together. And so uh, it'd be interesting, you know, like I'd be in the pulpit and say, hey, here's our Craig Lance and to give that as an option and you'd be able to do the same thing. Uh, I do think there's value in being able to empathize with other people's positions so that you could articulate it as well as they could, mm-hmm. even if you disagree, right? Usually we listen to disagree and we articulate to disagree. True. And um, But to have two guys who can be on staff and don't need to be 100% on the same page because our foundations and our conclusions, um, we share those. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's just, I think it's a unique thing. And then um, third on here, which, you know, there's a, a question that is really um, pushed through this. So I'm listening to this and I'm a woman and um, I am barren um, Mm. or I am single. Uh, Am I destined to be given over to my transgression like Eve was? It's in the DNA of a woman to be motherly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have four daughters and they they all love being with babies and nurturing these babies and holding them and you know even though they don't mm. they don't necessarily even know them yep. there, there's an attraction there that is not for maybe some men have it but it's definitely not for every man yep. there's a connection in a woman to be attracted in that way and so i think whether a woman as a result of the fall cannot have children through no fault of her own she is still able to bless uh, other people by living out that motherly mm-hmm. intuition to bless other kids my my own my own daughters uh, have women in their lives that function as grandmothers or moms when mm-hmm. we're not around, and they look at them that way, and yep. they give them that that ability, that right to have that authority over them, mm. because they see them living out that that role as mothers are meant to live out. And they may not even have kids, but they play that role in my kids' yep. lives, and I'm so grateful for yep. that. Since my kids were little, dolls and babies, yeah. like they just adored them. Even even to this day, they're eight and six. And my son never wants his one to play with a doll. He's wanted to breathe them up. Yeah. He's wanted to drown them, them, to drown them, <laughs> blow them up, set them on fire. I mean, he, anything he could do to see something break, you know? And, and it all again, it comes down to the parents. It does, you know? And there is a couple things that, like, I, I will say, let me be a little bit controversial here. I believe that gender is binary. You're either, you're masculine and feminine, but even but on the masculine and feminine, there are spectrums. Some people are more culturally masculine than others, right? Mm-hmm. 
Some are more culturally feminine than others, but in the range of femininity, there is a spectrum. Some women are like, I have no desire for kids. I have no desire to be a mother. In the same way, I would look at a man who says, I have no desire to work or to be a leader. I would look at that man and say, something is broken inside of you that has brought you. I don't deny that that's where you're at. Right. But every man who says, I don't want to work and I don't want to be responsible for someone of great value, that means something is broken. And don't just buy it and say, this is just who I am. Right. Understand that who you are today is a result of years or decades of experiences. Our that brokenness is, does not define us. And it doesn't define us. That is a lie of the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to be married. And I don't want to have kids, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you don't want to be married because God's called you to singleness. And that's great. And that may have nothing to do with brokenness. That may be calling. And exactly. I want to honor that. Mm -hmm. But there is a propensity in femininity for, we'll say, mothering and caring in a very unique way. If you have no desire for that, I'm not saying you're bad or you're terrible, that you've chosen it, that you're less than. I'm not even going anywhere near that. I'm just saying when we in our human experience don't line up to some of the basics of masculinity and femininity as, designed by, as defined by God, not by culture, just as defined by God, mm -hmm. then we have to be able to say, God is not the problem. Something in us is not functioning mm -hmm. right. But I can look at everybody and say, there's not one man that functions 100% well, and there's not one woman who functions 100% well. Um, we experience everybody dysfunction of, of masculinity and femininity on some level. It's just different for every person. For some, it's in attraction. For some, it's in roles. For some, it's in self-identity. For I mean, we could go all over the board with all of the brokenness um, that surrounds masculinity as defined by scripture and femininity as, de as defined by scripture. And so again, my, my goal here is not to say like, if you're not lining up, then all of a sudden you're a terrible person. I want to look at everybody and say, to some degree, everybody is broken. But if you grew up in a functional home with a loving mom, mom and a loving dad who fulfilled their roles and trained those roles to the next generation, there will be less, we'll say, masculine and feminine brokenness than if you grew up in an abusive home or a home where there was um, inverted roles or a lack of Christ or a lack of the word of God, um, so many different things. The more lack of biblical foundation, the more opportunity there is for masculine or feminine brokenness. But I, I do want to say everybody has it. I am um, broken as a man. You're broken as a man. My wife is broken. Your wife is broken as women, as wives. And Jesus will spend the rest of our lives putting every aspect, not just our masculinity and femininity, but every aspect of our lives more and more back together. So we fulfill the image of Christ. If only someday we all could live out the last part of this verse. If we continue in faith, love, holiness, and self-control, yep. that would be a put back together correctly That'd be pretty sweet. person. Amen. All right. So Craig, uh, tomorrow I want to invite you back and uh, we're going to answer a really controversial question at Village Church. It's actually not that hard. Uh, but the question has been asked, why are we not having Christmas services on Christmas Day? Because this year- It's Jesus' birthday. I know, man. So this- No cake. No. No balloons. What, dude? We're not even opening the building. You don't do cake and balloons? Are you kidding Not me? even opening the building. So every seven years, <laughs> Christmas falls on a Sunday. Yep. And so this year, we've decided not to have uh, services on Sunday. We're going to have them on Saturday, Christmas Eve. And uh, people are like, what? How could you not? So we're, we're just going to answer that question, bring people into it, and uh, it'll be fun. fun. So join us tomorrow.